Hello, and welcome to the You're an Asset podcast. I'm your host, Casey the Dollar. And on this podcast, we find out who's an asset in the financial industry and who's just an ass. On this week's episode, if you don't already think so, I'm going to be giving you some reasons why I'm an asset. Me, Casey the Dollar, by providing you with more information about tax codes that talk about life insurance and a couple things about life insurance that I feel like are really important for you to know. So this episode is going to be very informative and I hope you get a lot of value out of it and I hope you think that I'm an asset. So... A lot of people know already that life insurance has tax advantages. That's a big reason that people come towards life insurance because of those tax advantages, because they can have their money earning interest tax-free, growing tax-free, they can access it tax-free, and the death benefit ultimately transfers to your beneficiaries, to your loved ones, tax-free. Now, how? Why? Why is life insurance tax-free? How is it tax-free? Let's talk about it. The Internal Revenue Code has these three different tax codes, and we're going to go through them one by one. First one we're going to talk about is tax code section 101A from the Internal Revenue Code. And what 101A says is that the death benefit Right. Ultimately, when you buy a life insurance policy, you're purchasing a death benefit and that death benefit transfers to your beneficiaries tax free because of tax code section 101A. All tax code section 101A says is that the money received from a life insurance policy as a death benefit is tax free because it's not earned passive or ordinary income. That's going to be true about all of the tax codes that pertain to life insurance, that money received from a life insurance policy is not earned passive or ordinary income. So when your children or your spouse or other loved ones, other family members, whoever it is, gets a death benefit, that death benefit is going to be tax-free. Yay. There's not much else to say about tax code section 101A. Now, the two other tax codes that are a bit more interesting, a bit more intriguing, are 72E and 7702. Let's start with 72E. 72E of the Internal Revenue Code says that the money earned or the interest earned inside your life insurance policy is earned tax-free because the life insurance policy itself is a tax shelter meaning it protects you from having to pay taxes on any of the money that you earn inside your policy. So 72E says the money growing inside your policy that's accumulating, that's being added to the overall value of your policy, that's ultimately accessible to you inside your cash value, it's earning tax-free. Your policy grows tax-free thanks to tax code section 72E. And this is important because no other 
financial vehicle says that the earnings are tax-free. That's unheard of. Because no other financial vehicle is a tax shelter. Life insurance is really special in that way that when we put our money into one of these policies or one of these products, it's protected by these tax codes and it has this tax shelter characteristic that says it's safe. So basically, a big reason why people look at life insurance as a way to protect and grow their wealth is because they don't have to pay taxes on the money as they're earning it, which is, that's a big deal. Now, the last tax code, section 7702, is that the tax code that you all are desperately wanting to know about and that I talk about on, on social media a lot. 7702 of the Internal Revenue Code says that you can access the money in your cash value tax-free. And it says that because, again, I'll reiterate that the money received from a life insurance policy is not earned passive or ordinary income. But a bigger piece of this is that when you take a loan from your cash value, loans are not taxable because they're debt. Debt is not taxable. A loan is not taxable no matter where it comes from. Uh, loans are always debt and they're always tax-free. But it's special within the life insurance policy because you're leveraging this asset that's also growing tax-free. And then you're accessing the money tax-free. So 7702 just says that you can access the funds tax-free when you borrow the money in the form of a loan. Now, I think it's important to talk about the idea that you can take withdrawals from a life insurance policy. But if you take a withdrawal, it is no longer tax-free if you're touching the interest or the gains inside your policy because 72E says that the money inside your policy grows tax-free. If you are to take out your interest, your earnings, you're going to pay capital gains tax on any money outside of your contributions. So 7702 does not pertain to withdrawals. It strictly pertains to those loans. So these three tax codes, you could, you could go and find them. You could research them. You don't have to take my word for it. But they're a very easy Google search. And they're very simple, right? Now, a key thing I didn't mention about the three tax codes is that they all say that the policy, the IUL, the whole life policy, it has to be a genuine life insurance policy. So what's a genuine life insurance policy? Well, a genuine life insurance policy means that you're not exceeding the limitations that your policy has. A permanent insurance policy is a contract. And where I'm hoping you think I'm an asset is because I'm going to tell you right now that these minimums and maximums, these contribution limits that define a genuine life insurance policy are on every single policy, whole life IUL. It doesn't matter. And you should know these guidelines that are within your policy if you have a policy. You should have some sort of say about where these guidelines fall when you get a permanent insurance policy. So every single permanent policy that has a cash value has a max contribution limit, meaning the most money you can put in per year is set. It's, it's defined. It's in the contract. And there's also a minimum 
annual contribution limit within that contract. Let's do an example here. Let's say that John is telling Casey, hey, Casey, I want to start an IUL and I want to fund $10,000 a year into it. Well, if I'm a good agent and I want to do right by John, I'm going to max John's policy out at $10,000 per year and say, John, you cannot fund any more than $10,000 per year into this policy. How do you like that? And he's like, I love it. That's what I wanted to do. I don't want to put any more money into it. Perfect. So then I'm going to tell John, awesome. Okay. Well, because you have a max, that means you also have a minimum. And your minimum on this policy, for example, is $2,000 per year. So now John has a policy where he can contribute up to 10000 but worst case scenario, he can just contribute 2000 and his policy is in perfect standing. These guidelines do have names. The max contribution is called the seven pay, and it does pertain to the first seven years of your policy. So the seven pay says for each of the first seven years, you can contribute up to this amount. And on year eight, we get a new max contribution limit called the guideline level annual premium. And this new max contribution limit lasts for the rest of the life of the policy. Now, the minimum contribution limit is called the target premium. You might hear people say that you can overfund or max fund a policy. And what they really mean is that you can overfund the target premium up to the seven pay or the guideline level annual premium. So if you were to contribute more than the seven pay or the guideline level annual premium, what happens is your policy is no longer considered a genuine life insurance policy. It's considered a MEC, which is a modified endowment contract. So these three tax codes we're talking about, they say genuine life insurance policy because there are limitations in place. And if you exceed these limitations, your policy no longer is a genuine life insurance policy. It's now considered a modified endowment contract. You no longer are able to access money tax-free and the cash value is not earning tax-free interest. You're going to be taxed on all that money. It loses this tax shelter nature that it had before. So you do not want to make your policy a mech. You want to stay within these guidelines. And people don't really realize that there is this flexibility of how much money that you can contribute into your permanent cash value life insurance policy. And that's mostly due to the fact that agents maybe don't understand or they don't want to help consumers understand because the bigger the policy, the bigger the commission. So if I'm setting John up with a policy that says, hey, your minimum is only $2,000, well, that's ultimately a small policy and my commission's not that big. If I set John up with a policy where he can pay $10,000 to $50,000, well, guess what? I'm gonna get a bigger commission because I'm selling a bigger policy. But from my standpoint, as you might already know, I like to do right by people. I like for them to have flexibility within their permanent insurance policy. I like for them to be able to say, Casey, I'm having a bad year. Do I have to cancel my policy? And I like to get to go, uh, no, John, you only got to get that $2,000 in there and we are solid. And he's going, oh, thank God. 
It's my favorite. I, and I've been in this situation. I've had clients in this situation say, hey, I can't make my premium. What should I do? And I say, you already hit your target, my friend. You have already satisfied the target premium. We're all good. You can go continue on, stop funding your policy for the year, and let's let's revisit this next year and see where you're at. And again, if that was John and he's telling me, okay, I'm just going to put $2,000 into my policy next year, if he only can put in $5,000, that's okay too. He doesn't have to put just the $2,000 or put the $10,000. He has flexibility. Something about this that I want to say is if, if you're looking to get a personal uh, IUL, you're looking to, to start a policy for yourself, for your business, whatever it is, you should be working with someone who is purposely pointing out to you, hey, this is the max contribution. This is the minimum contribution. What do you think about these numbers? How do you feel about the flexibility? If you're working with someone who hasn't mentioned the seven pay or mentioned the target premium, I'm telling you right now, how, how could they possibly not? I would think that they're trying to hide something. So keep these, these terms in mind. Seven pay, target premium, unless you're working with me because I will be throwing them around in conversation constantly. And so will all of the agents from Power3 Financial. It's, it's our favorite part about what we do because we like to strategize to get them right where you want them to be. That's the whole point of, of customizing these policies is that we get to say, how do you feel about $800 being your minimum and $5,000 being your max? And they're going, wait, I only have to pay $800 to keep the policy in force? Yeah. They're like, oh, that's easy. That's no problem. If, you, if you're wondering, like, does that mean, you know, the rest of the money is going to your cash value? Yeah, that's just about what it means is that when you overfund the target, the rest of that money is getting to sit in your cash value and earn interest. If you don't have a policy that has a small target premium, right, or you're only funding your policy to the target, there's a lot more room for money to go into your policy. You're not making the most out of the policy, and the policy probably has a lot more death benefit than you ultimately wanted if your goal was to maximize the cash value. Now, one other thing I want to talk about that I think agents miss all the time, don't want to talk about, are scared to talk about, but is very important to know as a consumer is that there is something called a surrender period on life insurance policies. And the surrender period is different depending on which carrier you're working with, depending on which product you have. And usually it's 10 years. It's a 10-year surrender. We'll get into what that means but it can be as long as a 20-year surrender. So a surrender period says if you want to cancel your policy and it's year years one through 10, if you have a 10-year surrender, what's going to happen is the insurance carrier is going to charge you a 10% penalty on your cash value in order for you to be able to cancel the policy and walk away with the remaining cash value. So... If you have an IUL right now and you maybe you don't like it and you were thinking about canceling it, there is a, a surrender period and you need to know what time period that looks like or what length of time that is. Um, usually the surrender charge is just that 10%, but it's important to know that you can't just cancel your policy at any time and walk away with the value of the policy. There is a charge for doing that. And so 
I I like to use companies that only have that 10-year surrender period, but I know a lot of really good companies have a much longer surrender period. A 15-year to 20-year surrender period is getting to be a very substantial amount of time that if something really changes in your life and you want to cancel this policy, 15, 20 years is a long time to wait or to keep funding a policy just because you want to end up canceling it and you're trying to avoid that surrender charge. So something to also ask your agents is, what is the surrender period on my policy? What happens if I cancel it? You're never going to find anywhere that doesn't have a surrender charge. Now, there might be some people listening that are saying, I, I, I know products that don't have a surrender charge. That's not true, okay? I'll, I'll tell you what you think you know. What you think you know <laughs> is that there's no surrender charge, but what's actually happening here is that you can buy a rider that says waive the surrender fees okay you can purchase a rider to waive the surrender charge meaning you could cancel at any time but guess what that rider costs money to add a waiver of surrender charges rider you have to pay for it and so you're paying money up front to have the ability to not have a surrender charge ultimately what happens when I've used these riders or illustrated what, what the policy looks like with these riders is that by year 10, the policy is astronomically more expensive because guess what? You waived all of the initial fees in the beginning. And sometimes that's not bad, right? Sometimes there's a strategy there where we needed the liquidity up front and it wasn't a long-term play. But oftentimes it's not worth it to purchase a rider and pay more money to have the immediate liquidity because down the line, the policy is just a lot more expensive than it ultimately would have been if we just waited and had less liquidity in our cash value and kept the cost of insurance low without adding that rider. Well, what I, what I hope that you guys take from this episode is that there are really important things about a permanent cash value life insurance policy that your agent should be able to tell you. If they are not talking to you about max contributions for the year, if they're not talking about your minimum contribution, if they're not telling you about a surrender period, Power 3 Financial will. <laughs> the, those are the main things that we talk about first time that we sit down with someone. And they're really important. It, it blows my mind that I've met people who've been shopping around and looking for insurance and have never heard of a seven pay or a target premium. It happens all the time. So if you want to get educated on insurance, please come talk to Power3 Financial. We'd love to hear from you. And tell your friends. Uh, you just learned about three different tax codes that are life-changing, if you ask me, if you can learn to take advantage of them and use a genuine life insurance policy correctly to transfer tax-free wealth to your beneficiaries, grow your money tax-free, and then ultimately access it tax-free as well using tax code section 7702 and taking a loan from the cash value that you built tax-free. I think people might have friends that would be curious to know who taught them that. And you can tell them Casey the Dollar. Casey the Dollar taught him. Um, and you learned it on the You're an Asset podcast. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. It's been a short episode. I hope it was a helpful one on this podcast. We find out who is an asset in the financial industry and who's just an ass. See you next week. Bye.
You're an Asset podcast is not giving financial advice. We are not licensed financial advisors, and our licensing is strictly in insurance products. The information that we talk about is specific to the products that we work with. We cannot guarantee that other agents will have the same product features that we discuss on the show.